Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 74 of La Magicas. My name is Sam Rubio. I'm the producer of the show. And for today, we have a different cast. We have Imram IT, which you can find on Twitter with the name Il Capitano VA. Uh, Imran has been on the show before. It's been years since he's been on the show. But remember, this is a show which will be turning 10 years old in next January. So, we know, you know, we've been around for a little while. Uh, Imran has been on with us many years back, so we're super excited to have him back. He's joined by James Bass, which you can find on Twitter w with the handle at IllRoadRunner. Um, James and Imran will be discussing um, the new ownership. They'll be discussing Fonseca, the team, and everything ahead of uh, the new season. So without further ado, let's listen to Imran and James. Hello and welcome to another edition of uh, La Magicast. Um, it's been a long while since the last edition, but um, Imran, who's joining me, myself, James, on this podcast, um, had the idea of um, uh, doing a new edition of La Magicast on the eve of the new season 2021, uh, and we're recording this 24 hours before Roma's first game against Verona. So. Um, Uh, I'm James, and I've been a Roma fan for quite a long time now, <laughs> about 30 years actually. And uh, I'm joined by Imran. And Imran? Yes, uh, I've been a Roma fan for, I think, more than 20 years now. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I used to be active on Twitter. Uh, around 10, 9, 8 years ago, uh, but then study, job, took over, but now I think things are more stable, so trying to go back. Yes, yes. And um, so um, we uh, thinking about the summer, obviously it's been a, a strange, uh, with the delay in the season, uh, last season, and the short relatively short pre, uh, close season and now on the we're on the eve of the new season um, the, the, the main the two main things really uh, one in the background is, is, is the new ownership and the new ownership one of their first decisions was obviously to confirm Fonseca because from what I read it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, there was speculation that there could be a change on the bench But in the end, Fonseca was confirmed. And um, what do you think of that decision? Yeah, well, like when every every time there's a new owner coming in, there are rumors about massive changes in administration, uh, in uh, terms of you know, even coaches, players going in and out. But Fonseca, he had a mixed first season. Uh, which I think can be changed into different periods. He started off very well. If we change, change I mean, if we divide it in three, three periods, the first period was good. Second was awful. It was from January until yeah, around when the season was interrupted. 
And then he started off uh, beating Sampdoria, but then had three defeats. And then the last eight games, he won seven out of eight before, uh, and one of them was a draw, before eventually crashing out in the Europa League uh, against Sevilla, um, where we had absolutely no chance. I mean, we were terrible. We had we had nothing to come up with. And then this again, again raises questions uh, about him, um, tactics, his uh, lineup, is he good enough, whatever. But I think uh, in the situation we find ourselves in, we don't have, first of all, better alternatives. And I think um, he deserves another season. Um, so, and, you know, the season was interrupted with the uh, COVID-19 and everything. So it's, it's, difficult to, it's difficult to draw conclusions uh, based on this. But I think he's done enough to, to justify another season. And then we'll see. But this season will be very important for him. It will be like make it or break it. How yeah, do you see it? I think yeah, so I, I'd agree with that. I think I think on balance he did he did do enough. And even if it had been more of a normal season, where season finishing in May and, and then I still think he would have probably uh um kept his job, you know, and uh, I think I think that is the right decision. And um I, I hope above all he's learned a lot in this first season that he's had and he can maybe correct some of the uh, the things he, that didn't go so well last time, you know. Um, but uh, we did see some flexibility, which was good. But, uh, but yeah, the uh, I mean, I thought, actually, I thought in the autumn, when we had that good run-up to Christmas, only I know we lost uh, um, Munch and Gladbach uh, right at the end, and then we lost to Palmer, I think. And then, but, and then we, but overall, the form was good. And I thought things were turning in the right direction. It was a real shock to me that, as you were talking about earlier, that, that fall off in January through to, you know, the, the, the point when the season was uh, halted. So um, uh, I, I'm hoping... That, that, that came, that came uh, sorry to interrupt, but that came like out of nowhere. We were not <laughs> expecting that because we were going, like you said, with a very good form into the, the Christmas break and then we had, despite drawing in the derby, we had a very good game against Lazio. I mean, we were in complete control. And we conceded after that uh, error by Paul Lopez. But after that, we lost to Torino, I think, to Olympico, and then Juventus. I mean, it just got worse from there. And But but what happened there? I mean, why, why the sudden... Uh, I mean, how 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 did they just get lost there? Well, one I did read an interesting um, hypothesis, and it was that coaching in Ukraine. I think in January and February the league is is uh, um, on a break, so it may be that he wasn't used to preparing a team to return so quickly after a winter break. Now, after a, obviously a relatively short winter break. Uh, now, I'm not saying that's true, but I, I think I found it an interesting idea, and it might have explained why Form nosedived when they came back. Um, well, it, it could be 
but I I really don't think that's uh, that's a good enough uh, excuse for what happened after that because I think I I don't know what but I think something happened I mean in the dressing room between the players there had been rumors about Jeko and Fonseca not getting along Jeko not being entirely convinced by his tactics style of play um, I mean if uh, that could be uh, one explanation to what was going on. The team was going through a bad run and he kept on insisting with the four-man defense, which was not working so well. I mean, we, were very, we, were, we were not creating anything, first of all, and we were really terrible in defense. Um, and then when he eventually, after, after the COVID break, changed to a three-man defense, we suddenly looked very, very good in defense. Um, and uh, we actually managed to score some really good goals as well going into attack. So it was looking like things were falling in place. Um, in, but then we had this game against Sevilla. Uh, and what I found a bit special about that game was that you know, games may start way, one way or another, but you need to have a plan B, how you respond to what's, being hap- what's happening on the pitch. You adjust and you change tactics, players to respond to what's happening there. But we had nothing to come up with. <laughs> and uh, we were we were completely clueless for the entire 90 minutes. And that was shocking. And that was a bit uh, that was a bit worrying as well if you see from the coach's point of view because you would expect him to have made some changes, at least some different. I mean, you can have periods in the game where uh, you can look back and say, okay, at least you know we had that period where we created chances. But against Sevilla, it was it was nothing of that. It was none of that. And again, coming back to Jeko, um, his comment after his comment after that game was like, like we something somewhere along the lines that we didn't actually we didn't need to make this trip to Germany if we, if this was how we were going to play. Yes, and and if there was a theme that ran throughout the season, I think it was that. Fonseca's game management, his ability to change a game, change the course of a game, was you could you could question that. I think. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at if you look at all the times we went behind, I mean, uh, in every game we were playing, there were very few very few games where we actually managed to turn them around. Uh, now I don't know how. I don't have the st- statistics and I haven't compared them. I haven't compared it, but it was something that instantly, instantly, you know, like popped up the amount of, t- amount of time we uh, went behind and uh, went on to lose, either lose or at most manage a draw against oppositions that we were supposed to roll over. Yes. And But then again, we didn't do anything better against the, Top six side. I think Juventus were the only team we beat. Yes, on on the final match day. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, so uh, so we hope that Fonseca, you know, will. Uh, I think he does. I think we can agree that he needs to improve in this coming season in order to get a new contract because he signed a two-year contract in 2019. So if he wants to get a new contract, I think. The new owners will need to see some 
some improvement. Now, who will be awarding that new contract? We don't know because we don't have a sporting director at the moment because Gianluca Petracchi left in the summer and after a dispute with um, Palotta. So um, the, the, the transfer market's being run by uh, the chief executive and uh, Friedkin. So... Yeah. So it's yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they're not. I mean, from what I've come on to this, but they're, they're see, I mean, that's the other main area of activity at the moment because um, uh, that they're, they're trying to um, release players who are who uh, were, were, were quite expensive and um, in terms of uh, their contract and haven't been contributing much. So. Uh, We've seen um, uh, new players coming in as well. So, I mean, Pedro was the first one, I think, to arrive on a free transfer after his contract expired at um, Chelsea. It was Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Chelsea, yeah. It was the first one. And then we have Mkhitaryan arrived. I mean, his loan deal, he, his contract was cancelled, terminated by Arsenal, and now he arrived on a free, free transfer. So he's the second signing, if you would like. And then we made uh, Maras Kumbula from Verona. And now we'll become official in the next few days. Um, Arak Milik from Napoli with Dzeko yes. uh, going to Juventus. And um, not quite close, but Smalling uh, still negotiations going on. Confirmed by Paulo Fonseca today. That's right. Um, that he still might come in, um, but then on the other hand, we have, <laughs> which is more important, I think, is the players going out. We need, uh, we have a lot of players that we need to get rid of, and uh, Perotti looks like he's on his way to Fenerbahce. Uh, under uh, to Leicester. There was some news about issues with probably work permit today but i think it will it will work out in the end mm. uh, and we got a pretty good deal there actually for a player who unfortunately uh, kind of lost it uh, especially last season but he, he had some injury problems and then didn't live up to uh, and didn't build on the first and second season which was quite unfortunate because i think he's a guy who has a lot of football in him. He can improve to, to become a quality player. So he went. He went from being linked to 50, 60 million euro transfer to Bayern München to going to Leicester. But I hope he redeems himself there. And, yeah, that, uh, I mean that that's the big regret for me. Cengiz Unza leaving because uh, I was a big fan of him. And one thing, I mean, he did obviously have injury problems particularly the chronic problems that one thing after another that uh, in in last in the season before last 2018 2019 when he missed quite a lot of games but um it, it was also surprised that Paolo Fonseca's attitude towards him he didn't seem to hold him in high regard because he didn't play much under Fonseca when after Fonseca came and I I was yeah. I, I wonder why that might be he he didn't manage to get the best out of him and you could just see from Unders. I mean, he started well. He scored the equaliser 
uh, I don't know if uh, Dorman was the equalizer or one of the goals, but he scored against Genoa in the season opener, the 2-2 game. And so he started off, I would say, well, and he was starting the game. But then he had a he had an injury, he had an injury, and then when he came back, he was out of the team, and he never actually really managed to play his way into the team again. And his body language, you could see that something was wrong. He was it was not the same. It was not the same under that we knew from the season before because he bounced back from those injuries quite well, like I would say. And uh, yeah, he, so he, he he never actually managed to 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 come back. And exactly where the blame lies, it's a bit difficult to say. I think Fonseca probably gave up on him for yeah. other yeah. reasons. Anyway, and, uh, we we wish him well at Leicester City. We do, and then there are other players, you know. We're still trying to get rid of Juan Jesus, Lazio. Uh, they need to. I don't think they have any place in this team. Olsen, uh, probably as well. Um, who? Robin Olsen. Robin Olsen, yeah. Um, it's interesting that neither Perotti, Fazio, Juan Jesus, or Olsen have been called for the squad. They're not in the squad for the game against Verona tomorrow. That says so a that, lot, I think. That says yes. a lot. Uh, so that's yeah. so. I think it, it's been important because there's, there's been talks about this plus Valenza. We need to make 100 million euros. That's one of the reasons. Jaco is leaving as well, and um, it's for me personally. Uh, Jaco has, <laughs> I think, he's been the best striker. Uh, I mean, consistent striker. For this, I mean, for Roma, uh, for as far back as I can remember, uh, I think Rudy Ferler was the last striker who was consistent over yes. several years. But, but there was something about Jeko. You know, he was world class. He, he had his first season was so so, but then after that, I think he, he just became better and better. He was like his second season. He was. Monster there, and his goals, Champions League contribution, um, you know, he, he, winning mentality. He he was Le- leadership as well. Leadership he took over the captaincy. From, yeah, uh, leadership, yeah. top guy. So, but at the same time, I understand why he was leaving because of the financial situation we find ourselves in, uh, yes. which is sad. But we have to accept it. He's thirty-four. If we were in a better financial situation, everyone would have preferred that he retired here. But you, when you are, when that's the reality, and you don't want to go bankrupt, or you have to comply with the financial fair play rules, exactly, uh, to yeah. some to, to some extent, if you can't do it, so you, you need to have a plan. I think he was sacrificed, and uh, uh, it's. It's annoying. It's we will. It's also also you are losing a player who is in the twilight of his career, and you're gaining a player who's about to enter at twenty five, twenty six, his peak period. Yes, Milik so, is born in ninety four. He's twenty six, so the perfect age for a striker. But concerned, uh, he's not been quite fit. Lately, he had an ACL injury uh, a few years back. Uh, but still, 
respectable uh, stats given the amount of time he has played for Napoli's uh, goal scorer, true striker, scores from different angles uh, and very and from free kicks as well. So we, lo- we lose Kolarov uh, in set piece, we regain Milik. Um, so that, that's that's uh, that's good in one way, but uh, for me, it doesn't make any difference if he goes to Juventus, okay? Because you know, people talk about losing player to rivals, blah blah blah. But it's not going to make any difference. He's going to win win the Serie A anyway. Um, so yes, but. Uh, we have to just make our financial situation be- better so we don't end up in these situations again. But I think what's even better now is that we don't, it looks like we don't have to take the Shiglo or anyone else from Juventus to cook the books. Put it yes, there. because um, Karlsdorp, uh, by the way, just, just, just on that point that Jekko was uh, probably the most reliable striker we've had since. Um, Rudy Vula uh, in the 80s and 90s. I'll probably say Abel Balbo, the Argentinian, after uh, Vola was um, pro- was probably as reliable for for yeah. three or four uh, four or five years as Jeco has been. Because jeco has been here what five years, isn't he? So he it's has, a similar he period to, to Balbo. And Balbo was also a very reliable striker and of course played for Argentina as well. For he was. He was. That, that's true. I can. Mike can agree to that, but I think Jekyll has been a better player overall. His 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 stats uh, yes, speak for yes, themselves, yes. and his importance to the team, um, crucial goals, performances, everything. He was actually he was he was like you say the true leader. It's a shame we lose him, but I think 16 million euros uh, for him, the age of t- uh, 34. That's, yeah, that's it's a good. good I know. think it's. I think economically, the whole deal with Napoli, which I think runs to about 25, 26 million for eventually with bonuses and, and installments for Milik, yeah. given that the salary, I mean, obviously we haven't, we don't know officially, but the reported salary that we're losing of about seven and a half million euros a year for Dzeko as against four and a half million or there or thereabouts for Milik, we 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 it's a it's a economically it's a win-win situation and 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 if if uh, um Milik can stay fit that might be one of his uh big challenges as well as other players so we'll come on to that um yeah. uh, that that you know he could fire us back into the champions league you know uh so uh um do, so do you see with these transfers and assuming some of these players if they don't leave like Juan Jesus or whatever they'll have a pretty peripheral role do you think the arrival of the new players particularly uh, Milik uh, changes the structure of the team the, 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 the formation or do you think Fonseca's decided on on how he's going to play and, um, and and they're just uh, just trying to buy players to fit fit his uh, you know what what he wants I don't think he has given up on the former defence. Uh, he has said, he said even during the good period when we were playing with three men at the back, uh, that his preferred formation was with four men at the back. 
And I think he will at some point go back to it. He even said in the press conference today that he might he might switch between the two during the games, uh, which was a bit interesting. And uh, yeah, so I think the players that we have bought, if we have Kumbola, Ibanez, Mancini, and then if assume we're going to get Smalling back, you have four defenders, uh, four central defenders there, excluding John Jesus and Fatu, assuming they're leaving. If we have these four, I think it shows in one way that um, you can play, you know, both three men, three men at the back and four. So the possibilities for both formations are there. Uh, Fonseca said that Kumbola is not ready to play for the from the first minute, but I assume he eventually will will be when he has adapted and yeah yeah if you give him some time. And Pedro uh, actually he's, he's a winger, uh, and if we I mean when we play in the with the three men three three four uh, two one um, or the I mean, with the wing backs, then the wing backs they are the ones that will play from the from the sides, and I assume Pedro will have a more central role uh, in that formation. And if we're gonna have the four man defense, then they will play with either four three three or four two four two three one. I think that will be the formation where Pedro will be better suited to play in, but. He, if you look up, if you look back at uh, the time when he played for Guardiola, he was a very versatile player. And Guardiola, he was changing his formations a lot too, and especially the last two years uh, when he was in Barcelona. So I think Pedro will, given his age, experience, mentality, and everything, he will be, he will adapt to whatever role he's given. And I'm quite confident that he will be a very, a very useful player for us. Yes, I mean, I was looking at the defenders. If if we assume that Smalling is going to return at some, you know, uh, shortly, then you've got four potential starting central defenders in him, Kumbula, the new players, Mancini and Ibanez. But having said that, we're going to be playing a lot of games in quite a short space of time because the Europa League group stage won't begin until uh, second half of October and it's going to conclude by December. So uh, there'll be plenty of um, minutes available. So um, There will be. Yeah, will so... Be. And if, if we're going to end up the... I mean, when the end of the Mercato, if we're going to have four there, then it looks more like we'll go back to the four-man defence. Uh, four at the back because uh, then you have two for each position which is more suitable I think having four different you need at least five if you're going to play three at the back yes yes and um, uh, and I'm not and I'm not counting in uh, Cristante as a central defender oh yes that's true yes. In <laughs> he fact, has played there but that would be that's not really you can rely on him in playing there in fact, Cristante might start in central defence tomorrow because um, uh, with Mancini and Ibanez, perhaps, because there isn't really... Uh, oh, there is Karlsdorp available and Spinazzola. Yeah, uh, it's, very, it's a bit... We, we, we'll have to wait and see what the lineup is. But ju- just one other question about tomorrow. 
Do you expect Dzeko to play? It will be very risky to play him if we're going to sell him. <laughs> I mean, if he if he plays and gets injured, then yeah, assuming it's a serious injury, then we'll, the whole deal will be off. I don't think they will risk it. I don't think Dzeko will be playing tomorrow. In which case, who will play as a striker? Because I've written down a draft team here, and I've got a front two of Pedro or Perez alongside Mkhitaryan. Does that sound right? Or yeah, um, uh, it will be the so-called false nine. Mkhitaryan will play the Pedro as well. Um, I don't see anyone else. I don't see anyone else actually. Uh, and Pedro's fit is he? Because when he came, I remember he's in the there squad. Was... He's in the squad. I mean, he was out with a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken. And that's right. He's in the squad, but I doubt he will play from the first minute, given the injury he had. So it's likely then that Mkhitaryan will play as a kind of false, false nine striker with maybe Perez and possibly Cliver or Pellegrini in support. Um, but as I say, we have to wait. Uh, have to. In fact, one other, just as a uh, uh, point, is that Lopez wasn't, when when um, Fonseca was asked about who's going to be the goalkeeper, he didn't actually say, he said, we'll see tomorrow, I think. So yeah. uh, uh, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, um, a big vote of confidence for Paolo Lopez. And in fact, uh, the, the third goalkeeper tomorrow is uh, Boa, who was apparently, uh, he's replaced Olsen, and he apparently came from Venezia when Monchi was uh, our sporting director. So, um, uh, yeah, apparently he's uh, obviously a young goalkeeper. Well, I say obviously he is a young goalkeeper and uh, quite talented, apparently. So it'd be interesting to see what role he plays. I mean, I think it's uh, un- un- unlikely that he'll play tomorrow, but... Um, just as we'll have to see what what happens right at the back there. Um, yeah. So so uh, looking at our prospects for the coming season, um, are you optimistic or or how optimistic are you? Oh, it's difficult to say. I think uh, I was saying today that whenever you read the predictions for the upcoming season, we're placed somewhere seventh. It's at some some people say even eight, and but it all depends. I think traditionally we have done well when there have been low expectations uh, from the team, and now there haven't been. Uh, there will be changes. I mean, there will be a lot of players on their way out. I think it will be good. There will be some change in the dressing room. Jacob leaving could have some positive effects. Um, if if the room was about there being friction between him and Fonseca true, then that could ease off the pressure a bit on Fonseca. And, uh, but I think if we look at who we are going to compete against, I think Inter-Juventus are many levels above. Uh, we won't be competing with them. The places... After, I think Lazio and Atalanta 
I think Atalanta will it will be interesting to see Atalanta because they have they've had two very strong seasons and they've uh, been doing very well on transfer markets, selling players at high high price, you know, getting new players in. So they're yeah. continuing uh, like they've done with a solid squad. Uh, so I think Atalanta will be there in the top four as well. Lazio have been very a very consistent team recent years, always been close to top four. They made it last season. But now they're going to play in the Champions League where they want to do well. Do they have a score to compete at both both these competitions? I think they will feel it. Uh, I think they will feel it. Uh, so Lazio uh, will be there for top four, yes. But I don't think it will be as easy for them uh, this season compared to last. Milan, they finished the, strong, the, the season very strongly. Um, so Pioli got a new contract. And uh, who else is in Napoli? I don't really rate Gattuso. I think he's the worst coach they've had since Donadoni. Yes. And uh, uh, they don't have a they don't have a bad squad. They made a big investment on Victor Simhan, the Nigerian striker. Uh, it will be interesting to see how he how he settles in. But uh, I, I think. I would be very surprised if Gattuso lasts the whole season. Uh, and then, Roma, if, if you look at the outsiders, you have Fiorentina, could do well, but I don't, I don't think uh, Iacchini is a good coach and eventually he will run into yeah. trouble. Uh, yeah. Sassuolo had a good season, played really good football, but they were still, they were still very far off. Uh, how have they built on that? Difficult to say. But uh, I think seventh position uh, is the worst worst case scenario, and best case would be fourth place. But really, a lot of things have to click for us. Uh, we need we need to have the consistency and be far more stable than we've been. We have shown glimpses of having that in us, but we haven't performed it over an entire season and that would be the big challenge like you said going into the sec- uh, second season Fonseca has learned a lot uh, Portuguese coaches generally are really good tactically uh, compared to Spanish coaches uh, um, personally I prefer, I prefer the Portuguese coaches they come from um, a tactical school which is very close to Italian uh, more pragmatic in the style so I, I hope he has learned. I'm just a bit worried about his um, character. Is he strong enough? Uh, because some of the interviews, some of the press conferences, um, he was he was necessarily not saying the right, uh, giving the right signals. Uh, you can see that he probably came under pressure. And if he if he is going to Of course, he needs the consistency. That's one thing. But he needs to also decide uh, between the three men, the back or four, one of them. Because I think you cannot go into, uh, you cannot stick to one. I mean, let's say the four. I think that he should play with three men at the back because he finished the season very strongly. We had a good defensive structure because every time he played the four, two, three, one, or four, three, three, 
we were really shaky in defense. We were really yes. shaky. Yes. And every try, every time he tried to go back, it didn't work. So I think uh, I think it would be better, it would be safer to start with three. Uh, and then when you, I think the Europa League would be a good uh, competition to try uh, the four. But even last season in the Europa League, you see, you saw that we were really, uh, we were in a very easy group. And even there against weaker opponents who were struggling defensively, yes. um, which is really not acceptable at this level. Yeah, well, we hope there. That, I mean, obviously, Ibanez came in, arrived in January, and he made a big impression on me in the spring. And um, I think uh... he did, he did, but I think he um, he has some very good characteristics. But I think he needs to improve more because he he has the enthusiasm, he has the determination, but he doesn't always have the <laughs> tactical uh, awareness he decision making sometimes decision he can be a bit making, reckless yeah. yeah very very reckless he's young he's born 98 22 years old very young uh, he will learn but i think uh, i think he needs to he needs to improve as well if we're going to rely on him uh, being yes. a starter because I, I don't think he's there yet uh, I, I don't think he's there yet. Yes, and 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 that's a good um, point actually about um, because uh, you know he'd be if he if we do play with a back three then he's that the, the there's more intense competition to start. No one said there's a lot of games, but you've got Mancini, you've got potentially Smalling coming back, and you've got Kumbula. So um, that's a great incentive for someone like you know Ibanez to improve in those areas. So. Um, so, and and looking at the, the other key thing, I mean, I'm quite optimistic, um, but I think also one of the big factors is going to be ha our fitness. Can we keep players fitter, more of them fitter than we have done over recent seasons? And particularly with serious injuries like the ACL injuries, you know, we had a sequence of ACL injuries. I mean, I, I read a statistic the other day, it's quite astonishing the number of uh, ACL injuries that um, first team players and Primavera players have suffered, and yeah. um, some sometimes playing. You know, Rudiger was pre World Cup with Germany national team, and um, and obviously the latest one was uh, uh, Zaniolo playing for Italy. So it's not always at, at Trigoria or at the Olimpico. But um, um, and I wondered if you. Um, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, it it doesn't have to be because. Uh, I have a medical background, being a medical doctor. I'm not, I have to admit, I'm not in the field of sports medicine or orthopedics, but still, uh, it's not too difficult to read up uh, and do research on to understand the basics of uh, injury mechanism, risk factors, etc., etc., etc. And and if if we look at uh, if we look at injuries, we've had, I think, 14 players who rupture the ACL since 2014. Five of the players, uh, I think, ruptured it twice. I mean, they had a re-injury. So we're dealing with two problems. The first problem is ACL injuries to begin with. Second of all, we have the re-injuries. So the players, they ruptured the 
ACL again. Uh, so two different uh, problems. Now, Roma have done uh, a lot to try to combat this. Uh, they've changed the medical team. They changed the pitches at uh, Trigoria. I mean, they've done they've done a lot. Uh, there are two. There, I mean, if you look at ACL, there are two. You can divide the risk factors in basically two: intrinsic factor and extrinsic factors. Intrinsic factors more related with the player, and we can call them non-modifiable uh, risk factors, which are anatomical, neuromuscular, genetic components. But if you look at these factors, it will be <laughs> It's too much or too big of a coincidence that all these players who are uh, at risk of rupturing their ACL would end up at Roma. I mean, that wouldn't explain it because it would be too much of a coincidence. If you look at the extrinsic factors, which are uh, the factors that include weather, type, and condition of playing surfaces, and footwear. Um, so, if we look at the, the weather, how does the weather affect this? We know that uh, wet and rainy weather may reduce the friction between the athlete's shoe and playing surface. So you have a reduced risk of ACL injury at wet and rainy weather. And another question, we see that they water the pitches a lot before matches. I assume they follow because these are very basic basics in so i assume they do they follow all these uh, without any controversy uh, even at roma second of all um the uh the pitch the pitch because there are, there are different type of uh, pitches you know the type of grass they use uh, we know from research and studies that Bermuda grass, it's a type of uh, grass they use in field, is associated with more risk compared to ryegrass. And also the type of footwear they use. I haven't done any research on which footwear the players trauma ruptured their ACLs, which type of footwear they use, I mean, from which producer, which type of, uh, um, you know, like, the clay they used uh, and, and and everything. And we know also that the syn uh, synthetic pitches and filters are players playing that have higher risk of rupturing their ACLs. Outside this extrinsic factor, there are more, there are probably more, but there hasn't been, there, ha there haven't been really too much research. Um, so we need, we need there to be more research for us to understand if there are more factors which contribute to this atroma, Trigoria especially, because if you look at the weather, dry weather, and we know that dry weather, I mean, leading up to matches, let's say for a month. So a player can play in Roma. If, if the weather was a, a factor here, in Roma's case, player may rupture, a player rupturing the ACL playing for Italy somewhere else, could still be traced back to Roma because that's where, you know, they've been training all the time under these mm -hmm. conditions. But then again, why doesn't it happen at Lazio? 
you know, we're geographically in the same region. So the weather can, in a way, be ruled out because other teams have more or less uh, the same weather conditions playing under the same climate. Um, so from from what we know from research, the, these are the known risk factors, but I think Roma would be a perfect case study for uh, big sports medicine journals uh, if Roma would invite them um, to look at Roma as a case. I mean, why are there so many ACL injuries here? Is there a coincidence? Absolutely not. I mean, to sum it all, what exactly is the reason? It's difficult to point at one um, specific reason. I think there's a combination of many factors, uh, some of which I think Roma may know of because they they must have uh, conducted uh, investigations internally to find out why it's happening, but they haven't gone publicly with it um, for reasons I can perfectly understand. Um, but they keep happening, uh, and they keep happening. So, so it will be interesting to see how they go from here. But I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. It's definitely something there. And if, uh, and it's not often, you know, you can divide them also back in uh, contact and non-contact uh, injuries. And if you go further, re-injuries. We know that uh, Roma players have, uh, if you look at the research, they say that every month that return to sport was delayed until nine months after ACL reconstruction, the rate of injury was reduced by 51%. Meaning the more you wait, the longer you wait, the less risk there is for a re-injury. So return to sport nine months or after or later after surgery, and more symmetrical quadriceps strength prior to return, it reduced substantially reduced the re-injury rate. So if you re if you return to action before nine months, it, uh, it was associated with a sevenfold increased rate sustaining a second ACL injury. If you look at Roma, Strutman he returned to injury eight months after his ACL, and. Florenzi, he returned to action four months. Uh, Zaniolo, I think it was six months, if I'm not mistaken. Roma on their side say that they've done all the tests. They made sure that the players are ready to go back into actions. And perfectly, I can, I can understand that. There's, and I can absolutely buy that. Nothing wrong with that. But I think if... Um, if you look at this research and the findings there, it should be better. They should, you should respect it. And I think if these players waited more it would, for their careers, I think, you know, the players are also eager to come back and they're pushing more in the clubs. The doctors are always told that the doctor's role, being a doctor for a football club, they have just one job and it's to win matches. They have to do their part for Roma to win matches. But I think, I think if you look at these, uh, these studies, the research, the numbers, there, there should be there's there are some obvious things, especially when it comes to re-injuries, that players shouldn't have been uh, rushed. I won't say it would be appropriate to say rushed here because studies show that the longer you wait, 
um, the 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 less the risk for re-injury, and it would and it will be safest. It will be safest to re return to it because they would return to the pre-injury levels after two years. That's what the study shows. But no player will wait for two years. But the longer you wait, the safer it will be, and there will be and there's a threshold there around uh, nine months. So I think if I was if I was Zaniolo or anything, I would. I would just keep training, you know, to to uh, and not return to um, professional uh, football before after that. Yes, and and what about the other that you touched on earlier? The other chronic injuries we had. I mean, we we already mentioned Under, and then in recent seasons we've seen Pellegrini miss quite chunks of seasons with injury. Diara last season comes to mind. He missed uh, two two like. Big chunks yeah, of the season. I, th I think his was uh, connected to his meniscus, so not quite, uh, not quite necessarily connected to. Uh, I mean, it was not. It was non-contact as well. It can all. I mean, do you think there's a general problem in keeping the players fit during the season that other clubs don't have or don't have to? To the same degree, or, or, or do you think that um, it could no, be like this season? We have a generally fit season, and um, uh, maybe the odd chunk, you know, player misses um, uh, a part of a season, but by and large, we'll have a, a healthy season this season. I, I, I don't think it's a co it's a coincidence, but at the same time, uh, I don't think the club has ignored the problem because they've done everything in their hand to try to improve it. They've changed a lot, but uh, the question is, have they identified the problem? I mean, if if the staff wasn't the problem because you changed them a lot and there's no difference, then you have to go to the next one. And they've tried almost everything. And then you have to also ask how, this might sound a bit absurd, but how dedicated are the players? How strict are they when they follow their the diet, the the rehab pro program, the prehab program? Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. These factors also decide how likely a player, uh, how stronger a player will return to action, how dedicated he is to the rehab program. Uh, and, and That's interesting you make that point because, um, uh, of course, Italian football has always been notorious for very high standards of professionalism and discipline. And, um, and uh, uh, in an interview, he gave in the summer, uh, Diego Perotti said that, um, he said, well, if I can say anything, it's that my lifestyle, with my lifestyle, I didn't merit, I didn't deserve all these injuries. So, um, uh, I mean, that's what he says, and if we take him at his word, then, then maybe, you know, they are just as disciplined as players in other clubs, but, um, yeah. but, but as you say, that there will be a reason somewhere, and it's a question of you know, identifying that and resolving it, and 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 maybe different reasons for different players. You know, obviously. Um, and it'll be interesting. Sorry, definitely. just it'll be interesting to see the new players uh, who've um, done most of their preseason training elsewhere. How how they uh, shape up their fitness against the players who did their season. You know, the all right short, relatively short preseason uh, yeah. with us. You know, yeah.
Yeah, and it's it's difficult to it's difficult to draw conclusions when you don't have all the information. I mean, we're looking for we get a lot of information through media. We don't. I mean, we don't have all the medical reports. We don't have all the injury reports. We don't know enough about the lifestyles. I mean, the training methods uh, and uh, the players. How I mean, how dedicated they are. How strictly they follow the diet and everything. We don't have enough information, but we can discuss which possible factors could influence the rate of injury, the rate of ACL injuries, re-injuries, et cetera, et cetera, And I think it, it will be, it will be, you know, it can be discussed for a long time. I think it would be better to take it on another time where we discuss this more in details. And obviously that will require more research uh, to look up at, more the medical reports, you know, what type of injuries and what that can be associated if there's any, if there's a pattern there, uh, which can be, you know, linked to anything. Uh, but I think my point was more that uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope for a, a healthy season, which will be very important. Uh, for um, Fonseca, you know, um, to have um, as many players as available for as long as possible, uh, particularly, as I said, because the season's a bit more compressed uh, starting a month later than usual. Oh, so, yes. um, <laughs> this, so this will this will also be very important because we saw it also, you know, the amount of muscle injuries due to the compressed fixture, less yeah. time for restitution, more muscular injuries and now the season will again be uh, again be very uh, compressed more matches it'll be important to rotate that's right restitution yeah. to avoid injuries but i think it can very and then you will have the you will have the euro 2020 which will be doubled in 21 next year so there will be a lot of games it will be interesting to see how and we don't know when this covid-19 situation will be under control because yeah, so it it will be interesting to see. Yes, yes. Okay then. So um, right. So I think that sets the scene for uh, what's happened in uh, the last few months, and uh, as we look forward to the new season, it seems a bit odd because we've only just haven't had a big interval since the end of the last one. But um, but um, so uh, that prediction. Sorry. Prediction. Oh, prediction, I would say third. Oh, optimistic, optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's difficult. <laughs> it's so difficult. I think it will, be, it, will, it, will, it will depend on so many factors, but I will be very surprised if we, uh, not very, but I will be surprised if we make it top four. I don't think we'll make top four. Uh, I think, but yeah, we'll see. But I don't think we'll make top four, unfortunately. Right. But I hope we will do well in Europa League. Uh, uh, Europa League trophy wouldn't be bad, but I don't think so. I don't think we'll do well. And this season for me is mostly a season, I think, where we will just, we're just building uh, and preparing for the upcoming seasons and hopefully find ourselves in a better financial situation next year. 
Yes. I'm relying to some extent on the fact that, as you mentioned at the start, that often when we're not expected to do well, we actually do do well. And if you think about it, yes. that, that, that also <laughs> applies to the uh, Italy national team. Often when they're written yeah. off, they actually yeah. uh, have a very good uh, performance. So uh, um, we'll see. OK, so we'll be back soon. Thank you, Imran, and uh, for joining us. And, uh, and uh, we'll be back soon. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And La Magicast will be back soon as the season gets underway. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.